Last week, we uh, started a new series called The Jesus Way, and the gist is that, yes, Jesus came to die and to rise again, but he also did ministry for three years, and one of the themes of that ministry was to try to help humanity know God better. Jesus said things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and he was trying to help us not only know God better, but also know how to relate to God. And relate is the key word. It wasn't about religion with Jesus. There was a world already full of religion. He said religion really misses the point. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. And he gave images to us to try to paint a picture of the relational nature that we have humanity with God. He talked about a sheep and a shepherd, which is relational, uh, organic. The, the sheep is fed and trusts the shepherd protected by. He talked about a father and a son. And one of the main ones that he used was the idea of following, following me, he said, the rabbi-disciple relationship. And last week, we looked at the story of a guy named Matthew, who in his culture was kind of the lowest of the low. He was a tax collector. I don't have time to go into all the details about that. I spent some time on that last week. If you weren't here, I encourage you to grab the CD or the MP3 off our website. But in in his culture, a tax collector would be the the equivalent maybe of a a drug dealer or a pornographer in our culture. I mean, it just was not a well-thought-of career. And we saw in his story that Jesus did something simple but extraordinary, and this is the theme of week one last week. We just saw that Jesus extended a simple invitation to follow. That was it. Just follow me, he said. And that invitation we learned last week is extended to sinners, which is good. In fact, being a sinner is a prerequisite, so we all qualify. And in fact, if you're here and you're perfect, then then this doesn't really apply to you. Jesus said, this is for everybody who's broken, who's made mistakes, who failed. Follow me. And we learned it's an invitation to relationship. There weren't any hoops to jump through. Just, Just get up and follow. And we learned last week that this invitation was disturbing to those who are comfortable with religious routine. We saw last week that the Pharisees, who were kind of like professional religion game players, that they were uncomfortable with this whole thing. And we learned again last week that this invitation is an invitation that Jesus said to life, abundant life. And we emphasized last week that, that, that really we have no idea what hangs in the balance with our decision to follow. I mean, Matthew had no idea. I mean, Matthew thought, yeah, this is going to cost me something. Uh, You know, I I have to get up and leave my tax collector's booth. I'm going to have to walk away from a lucrative income. It'll cost me something, but he had no idea what it would have cost if he hadn't done that. The millions and millions of people that have come to know who God is and believe in him through the gospel that he wrote. Matthew had no idea what hung in the balance. And I believe this decision to follow will cost us something as well. But I believe it'll cost us so much more to not follow. I think we may never know the stakes involved in the decision. And we talked about this little phrase we say around here at Hope called belong, believe, become. See, I grew up in a church. In the church culture I grew up in, it was if you believe in the right things and you behave in the right way, then you can belong. But I learned as I go, oh, that really wasn't the model of Jesus' ministry at all. Jesus' ministry was just follow me, just belong. And as you follow me, you'll come to believe I am who I say that I am. And over time, you'll begin to become all who I have created you to be. And this ties in very centrally to Hope's mission, which is to make fully transformed followers of Jesus 
followers, relationship, not religion. That's what Jesus was about. That's what hope is about. Now, one of the problems with the idea of following is that some of us maybe who grew up in certain church contexts, we, we were taught that this was an all or nothing kind of following. I mean, in fact, if you were here last week and you, you heard the uh, sermon, I talked to some of you about this, there's a part of you that was like, yeah, but. I mean, aren't there some things we're supposed to do? I mean, isn't this kind of an all or nothing? God has to get my whole heart kind of thing. You may have grown up in a church where people said things like, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And when I heard that growing up, I thought, well, okay, fine. Then I guess he's not Lord at all because he's sure not Lord of all. I mean, that's hard for him to be Lord of all every moment of our life. I mean, every financial decision I make, every career choice I make, every thought I have, every relationship that I am am involved in, every moment of my time. I mean, it's a constant battle to make him Lord. So I guess he's not Lord of all because he's not Lord at all. Or not Lord at all because he's not Lord of all. But what if that was not true? What if that's not what Jesus taught? I want you to look with me at Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 4. I'm going to put this on the screens just so you can follow along with me really quickly. I want to share you a little bit of a scripture. You read this and it, this story kind of messes with us, I believe. Because I think most of us say, oh, we can't follow like this. Look what it says, Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into a lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once, they left their nets. I mean, that's their career, that's their job. And they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee. This is a family business, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed, followed him. See, if you read that, and if you're a churchy person, you think, wow, what kind of faith they had. I mean, that's how I need to be. I mean, Jesus is Lord of all for them, right? They just followed. But if you step back and you look at this practically with a little bit of wisdom, with a little bit of common sense, at least for me, I think, you know what? That doesn't seem spiritual. That seems irresponsible. I mean, it's almost like a cult thing. I mean, they've invested in boats and nets, and this is their career. They just walk away because some guy said follow. I mean, this is their dad. I mean, isn't there something in the Old Testament that says honor your father and mother? This is their dad. And he's just, you know, see you, dad. Tell mom goodbye. Here's a march off and follow a guy in a robe because he said follow me. I mean, you think his, their dad was okay with this? I mean, I think about my two sons, Bennett and Berkeley. I mean, if if they were, you know, adolescents and they just walked away because they meet some guy beside a lake who says, follow me, I'd clonk their heads together like two coconuts. But see, we read this and we think, well, okay, here it is. I guess it says we've got to be all in. I mean, he's not Lord at all if he's not Lord of all, right? And we think, man, I really want to follow. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm interested in following Jesus. But I'm scared. I, I just wish I could go a little bit slower. I could follow just a little bit of time, kind of put my toe in first, then my foot. I, I wish I could just check this thing out. And the answer is, you can. Let me give you this critical truth. Following Jesus is simply the process of moving from wherever you are right now to the next place. Just one small baby step at a time. God's expectation is not that you show up at church one day thinking, okay, I'm going to check the whole God thing out. 
I've got doubts. I've got questions. I'm not even sure I buy this whole God thing. I've had some bad experiences in church, but I'm going to show up and check it out. And then you hear one sermon. You say, okay, I'm all in. I'm selling everything, and I'm moving to India to be a missionary. That's not God's expectation at all. Rather, what God wants from you as a follower is you just take the next little step toward him. Now, here's something interesting about this whole thing. Matthew is writing his gospel to a Jewish audience. We know that because he wrote his gospel in Aramaic, which was the common language of the Jewish people. He used a lot of Old Testament references, and the reason for that is he was trying to convince people that Jesus was the Messiah. The Jews had been waiting for 2,000 years for the Messiah to show up. They had 300 and some prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament. So for Matthew, it's important that he has his audience understand that Jesus is the Messiah. And in his mind, Matthew's mind, for that audience, if you believe he's the Messiah, then you will drop everything and follow. That just makes sense. They've been waiting for this guy. But Luke writes a version of the story that gives more details. Luke is a doctor. Luke is an academic. He's looking at this a little bit more scientifically. He's also a Gentile, a Greek, and he's writing to a Gentile audience who don't really know or care about this idea of a Jewish Messiah. And I think for us, Luke gives us some great insights on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you have your Bible, let me invite you to turn to, uh, to Luke chapter 5. If you don't, take the little insert out of the bulletin, if you would, you can track with me here. This is the same version of the story, but some different details in here. Ma- uh, Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's another way of saying the Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. And this is the way it would work in those days. The fishermen uh, would have these throw nets that they would use to catch fish near the surface of the water, kind of weighted down at the edges. And so they would fish at night because that's when the fish would come up to this, near the surface to feed and so uh, they would fish all night long when it was cool, and then they would, uh, you know, at the, in the morning, they would ca- take whatever fish they caught to market early in the morning because in those days there was no refrigeration, so people would shop pretty much every day. And so they would take it to market, and they would come back, and then they would, you know, t- clean their nets, take the, you know, the cans and the p- trash and the license plates and stuff out of the nets that had caught up, and then they would stretch, they weren't license plates, and they would stretch them out to dry, uh, and then when they were dried, they would roll them up. And then they, when in the heat of the day, when it was afternoon, they would head home and they would sleep. Then they'd get up and eat dinner with the family and then go back out to work. That's kind of the way the system worked. So they've done all the stuff and they're just doing the final processes of this kind of late morning. Verse 3, he got into one of the boats, one belonging to Simon, that's Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. It's a very simple first ask. Will you just put out a little bit? Okay, sure, that's fine. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon put out into deep water, and let down the nets for a catch. So from Luke, we see that the story doesn't really begin with Jesus, a stranger, walking up and saying, follow me. That there's been some teaching going on, maybe for a significant time in that morning. And Peter's overheard all this teaching. He's learned about Jesus and who he is. And then he gets into this boat, and the, the teaching continues. He hears more about it. And this is just a simple ask. Get in the boat. Sure, you can sit in my boat and teach. And then this next request, this next ask, let's go fishing. It's interesting because if he asks cold, very first thing when he walks up from the shore, no teaching, no headman on the boat, just says, hey, let's go fishing, what do you think Peter would have said? I think he might have said, no, thanks. I've already done that all night long. By the way, I've heard by reputation, you're a carpenter, we're fishermen. I mean, you don't know the details, but you're supposed to fish at night. We've been fishing all night. This is daytime. This is not when you fish. 
But since this has been a progressive asking, you know, he just listened and then he took the first little request, okay, get in the boat. Now it's another little step. It's simple little steps. It's a little easier. In fact, look at verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I mean, we've been fishing when we're supposed to fish. We struck out. This isn't going to work. We're tired. We've already, you know, cleaned most of our nets. We've got a crowd here, and if they see us put out right now, they're going to think we've lost it. But, he says, because you say so, I will let down the nets. And I think it's interesting because that's where a lot of us are. I mean, we, we wouldn't do this for everybody, Jesus. But I've been sitting... I've been listening this morning. I've been listening to your talk. You're giving this crowd. And then you asked to sit in my boat. Okay, you know, it's fine. You can sit in the boat. If that helps you talk a little bit, I'll just sit here and mend my net some more. And now you asked me to fish. And I've been listening, and I, I find you interesting. I find your teaching fascinating. I, I can tell you're a special guy, and you're already in the boat. And since it's a little step, just to put out a little farther, sure, I guess we can go fish for an hour or so. In light of what I've heard, in light of what I've experienced, I'm willing to take a little step. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in, in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so, that, so, so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. I'm going to come back to that. Verse 9. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee. There's the mention of those guys. Simon's, part, Simon's partners. Then, and that's an important then. Then, after they had sat and listened, after they had taken a small step and letting him in the boat, after they'd taken another small step and pushing out in the lake and doing a little fishing, then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. And this is important to him, and I come back to this. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And now we can say, well, what else would you do? I mean, after you see that, after you experience that, I mean, they're seasoned fishermen. They knew that this was not just a lucky deal. I mean, this was unheard of. This was a miraculous event. I mean, you would not catch that many fish in general, let alone in what Ned cast, let alone in the day. This, was never, this, is, this has never happened before to anybody. Generations of fishermen. I mean, after that, you don't go, well, that was a cool trick. Do you do anything with cards? No. Oh, what father in his right mind wouldn't say, guys, follow that guy? I mean, particularly because the rabbi-disciple thing wasn't unheard of. People followed rabbis in that day, but they'd never seen a rabbi like this. I mean, any dad is going to go, you know what, I'll handle family business for a little bit. You need to hang around with that guy. See, this story is about people like us who've got life and stress and jobs and common sense and doubts and fears, and they're in different places in their journey with God. And yet the invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to take the next step, whatever the next step is for you. For some, the next step is a first step, like Peter to just sit and listen. All Peter did first was just sit and listen and learn. And you know why it starts there? Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing. The journey of faith starts with just listening and learning, just like it does for all of us. And then it goes on one day until Jesus says, okay, time to take the next step. Time to get in the boat. 
We're not going to go anywhere. We're just going to get in the boat. Just get comfortable. Get a little closer. A little more intently listening. Drawing a little bit closer to each other. And then one day he says, okay, let's take the boat out for a bit. Just like he did with Peter. But think about, again, what hung in the balance in that decision. And that's the point. Peter had lots of reasons not to push the boat out and fish. He was tired. He'd been up all night. He'd had no success. It was daytime. Peter, people were watching. There was work to do. I mean, and Jesus, you're not a fisherman. I mean, there was a cost. There was a cost of inconvenience. There was a cost of annoyance. There was a cost of waste of time, perhaps kind of a tainted reputation. This is a weird thing for fishermen to do. But he had no idea what was really at stake. Three years later, he would stand up at Pentecost and preach a sermon, and the first 3,000 people would come to know Christ. He became the leader of the church. In some traditions, they refer to him as the Pope, but no one argues that he was the leader of the first church. And indirectly, billions of people have come to know God through the foundation that he helped lay in this thing called the church. Billions worldwide over 2,000 years. He had no idea the stakes the decision he was making. And you know what's interesting? Jesus was Jesus the whole time. But it wasn't until he, Peter pushed the boat away and they started fishing that Jesus was given the opportunity to reveal himself to Peter. And in that moment, Peter fell on his knees and he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. I'm not even worthy to be in your presence. Well, there's a part of us that should go, hey, Peter, you weren't worthy to be in his presence before. I mean, Jesus didn't change. He was the same guy. But it wasn't until you started to follow where it became clear to you who he was. And that's how it goes. You follow. You belong. And then eventually you come to believe he is who he says he was. And you begin, be, begin to become all God who wants, wants you to be, all who, what God wants you to be. Yes, for Peter, it, meant, it cost him a little time. It may have cost him a little money. He had to reclean his nets for sure. But he had no idea what hung in the balance. Billions of lives, books of the Bible, 2,000 years we're still talking about Peter. And Jesus in his wisdom just asks for some baby steps. Hey, you already listened. Let me sit in your boat so I can talk a little little more definitively. Hey, I'm already in the boat. Let's just go out fishing a little bit. So when Jesus says, leave the nets, it's time to follow. Let's just take that next step in your journey. Several steps earlier, it started just by listening and sitting. The thing about that is for all of us, we fall somewhere on that continuum ourselves. For some, we're at the front end of that thing. We're, we're, not very, we're not really a churchy person. We're not a religious person. We're not sure we buy all this stuff. Maybe we got burned in church before. And for you to be here on a weekend where you got lots of other things you could be doing, to carve out time, to sit and listen and learn, to investigate and process, that is huge. And I want to just say, if that's you, congratulations on that. You've taken your first step in following. And you might say, whoa, 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 time out. I'm not following. I'm just here to listen, to learn a little bit. That's fine. That's how it starts. I mean, that's all God wants from you right now. Just, just listen. Just learn. You think, well, I'm not, I'm not going to change anything. I'm not going to be one of those Jesus people. That's fine. You just sit and listen and learn. 
That's all God's asking for you. And that's awesome. And I'm proud of you. It's a huge hump that you're over just being here. Many don't ever have the courage to take the step you've taken. And God is proud of you. But for some of you, you've been in that listening, learning place for a while. And Jesus might be starting to say to you, can I sit in your boat? I mean, you need to take the next little step. Maybe, maybe you open a Bible and just start to read it on your own a little bit. Maybe at your house you have one of those like coffee table Bibles that's like four by six and you know when you open it, it goes and maybe you, if that's what your case, go don't open that one. Go to the Bible bookstore and buy a different easier to read Bible. Maybe that's you or maybe you get in community. Maybe you say, I'm just gonna get in a small group or a living room group so I can just start to get to know some of these folks and process some of my questions. A little step, that's great. And if that's where you are, way to go. That's exactly where you need to be. You've taken the next step. That's a part of the process. For others, you've been in that place for a while. And you're sensing God in a very clear and compelling way calling you to the next little step. Maybe for you, you've been in that belonging place and you've come to a place where you believe. And it's time for you to cross the line and announce that in baptism. Or maybe there's an area of your life where God is calling you to trust him more with it. And you know that deep down, you can sense that. Maybe you're in your career or your dating life or your financial world. And he's not saying die for me or go on the mission field or, you know, go into ministry or anything like that. He's just saying, take a little next step. Give me the opportunity to show up in your life. Maybe in your marriage. Maybe, maybe in your time, you begin to serve a little bit. He says, you're gonna have to trust me, but that's your next step. It's not a big one, but yeah, it's still kind of scary. It was scary for Matthew to take that step. It was scary for Peter to take that step. But what hangs in the balance with your decisions to take these little steps, I, I just think we have no idea what hangs in the balance. And it could be huge and eternal. So are we willing to take a little risk and take another step? And you know in your heart it's time. And you know maybe what that next step is. Jesus is saying, just trust me, just try me. You know, in 15 years of ministry, I've heard of a lot of these let's go fishing stories. There's a guy named Josh. He's uh, become known around here as the photographer, took all the pictures in Mathari. Three or four or five years ago, I'm not sure exactly how long he came to hope. He grew up in the church, but as he entered into adulthood and in his 20s, he wasn't sure how the whole faith thing fit in his life. But he came to hope. He started kind of reinvestigating. And he just sat. And he just listened. He just learned. After a little bit, he stepped into community, a, a men's study group. And he had a lot of questions. He wasn't sure he bought much of the Bible stuff. But it was a great place to just ask questions and learn and begin to process. And then eventually, over the course of several years, he wanted to get involved in his technical background. He began serving on the tech team, running sound. He had some background in that. Just getting to know some more people, getting a little more involved. And it was in that environment one weekend where I just said, you ever thought about going on a mission trip, using some of your skills to bring a story from one part of the world back to another? And are you willing to push the boat out a little bit, do some fishing? And he said, I'll give it a shot. And he went to Mathari. And that experience has changed his life. He shared his story a couple weeks ago from the front. I've heard stories about families that were in terrible debt, struggling and they, they went to a crown seminar. They heard a series like we did uh, back in January here called Monopoly. 
And they just, they heard God speak in their hearts and they thought, you know what, we got to get out of this debt. We, we, we want to start being generous and giving some of our money away to ministries and to mission. But, but we can't do one of the, I mean, we, how do we do this? And for sure we can't do both at the same time. But they just felt compelled. We're going to try. We're going to try to get out of debt and give. And God showed up and they were able to do both. And in fact, they got out of debt faster than they even thought they could. I've heard those stories. But you know, it doesn't start, stop there. And it doesn't start there. It just starts with sitting and listening and you get a little closer and you get a little closer and Jesus keeps nudging you to take the next step, the next baby step, whatever that might be for you. It is not zero to 60 in 4.3 seconds. It's just whatever your next step will be. You just do that. And Jesus says, just trust me with it. I'll worry about the rest later. Just trust me with your next step. And I'll say it again. You don't know, you don't have any idea, I don't believe, what hangs in the balance of your decision to trust. We might think this is going to cost me a little bit of time, maybe a little bit of money, maybe a little bit of inconvenience. But I think we have no earthly idea what hangs in the balance. Some of you have seen God work in very, very specific ways in your life. You've been following for quite a while. You've been on this journey for a while. You started out listening and learning and you grew and you've been responding each step along the way, step after step after step. And now he may be asking you to do something big. Maybe he is asking you to go on a mission trip. Maybe he is asking you to kind of step above the tithe and really sacrifice financially for a cause. Maybe he is calling you to get off the sidelines and, and serving or in a group and actually lead a small group or, or step into leadership in a ministry and serving. And what he's asking you to do might be a little scary. But in your mind, you know it's the next step. And you've seen him be faithful in your life in the past over and over and over. And you know, this is my next step where he's saying, follow me. But it's scary. In fact, the next step is always scary. That's why I like the way this passage ends. Look back with me in your bulletin, in your insert of verse 10. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. You know why he said that to Simon? It's not a really hard question. You know why he said that to Simon? Because he was afraid. Yes, very good. Two of you were, were awake. Um, but he, he was afraid. And he says the same thing to you and to I. You don't have to be afraid. This is really important. When you decide to follow Jesus, he takes responsibility for the outcome of your journey. That's really important. I hope you get that. In other words, when I try to hold all of my life in my hands, then I am responsible for my journey. And that leaves a lot to chance. And nobody's that together. I mean, nobody's that in control. But when you decide to follow Jesus, he takes responsibility for the outcome of your journey. He says, I know it's scary. I know it's hard to trust, but you'll be okay. Just trust me. You ever have one of those moments where you have almost like have a car accident and then everything's fine. It turns out everything's okay, but you look back later and you almost like feel sick about what could have been. A couple weeks ago when we had one of those big snows, I was caught up at the office. I was late going home and I was rushing and I should have been rushing. In fact, don't even tell my mom, my mom the story. Anyway, I was rushing home and I was um, driving and I hit an intersection, a four-way or a two-way stop. It was stop, my side was a stop, the other side was a stop and there was a road, uh, didn't stop going through. And I hit the brakes and just slid all the way through into the intersection. Cars went past me both sides and I slid through and kind of cattywampused into this, partially in the ditch and partially on the other side of the road. 
nothing happened to anybody. It was scary. Kind of backed up, went on home. And it was one of those moments where I reflected back, thought, boy, that could have been bad. You, just, you have that heaviness of that feeling at that moment. But I've had some of those moments spiritually too. I remember when Heather and I, my wife and I were engaged to be married and I had went through a real crisis of d- belief. I, I'm a, you know, I, I have to kind of have my ducks in a row kind of thing. And I kept thinking, how do I know this is going to work out? How do I know she's the one? We were pretty young. And I almost called it off. We had some hard conversations. But looking back, she's my best friend. And my, our kids are like the joy of my life. And she's my partner in ministry. What would I have missed out on? I think about Hope uh, several years ago. When we were talking about relocating, we were in a small campus on Cokie Mill. We were out of space. And we started talking as a leadership about relocating, buying a larger piece of property, building a new facility. I was 30 years old. It was scary. I'd never relocated. I'd never built a building before. I'd never been a part of something like that before. I had been a senior pastor for a year and a half. But we were growing. We knew we had to do something. And so... We as a leadership said, all right, I guess this is what you're calling. It seems like what God's calling us to do. And I look back and I think what might have been. The marriages that have been touched in this place, the families that have come back together, the eternities that have been changed. I mean, we had, in the last like 12 months, we've had over 70 baptisms. And that's awesome. And I think what might have been. Uh, we had no idea what hung in the balance in that, those decisions. And your life is the same. I think the greatest tragedy of life would be living life without ever taking the risk, taking the next step, following, and seeing what God might do in you and through you if you were to trust him. We have this kind of thing with our kids, and dads, you you know about this. Maybe maybe I'm not, hopefully I'm not the only one that does this. But you know, have those moments as dads where you feel like you've got to push your kids? A couple years ago, over the summer, we went down to Branson with my parents, kind of a grandparent, parent, kid, grandkid vacation. They have a, a water park there called Whitewater. Anybody been to Whitewater? They have this like seven-story water slide. It's literally like seven stories up. You have to, there's like a very short line because nobody's crazy enough to do this. You walk up all these stairs. You're winded by the time you get up there. And then you go down, and, and they have like an, a height limit that you can take your kids on it and Bennett was barely qualified, and Emma, I'm not sure, but I had her step on tippy toes, so she qualified because I'm a good dad. And so we got all the way up to the top, and then you get up there, and you start looking down, and it's like straight down, and particularly the first drop, and you can't really even see where it goes. And uh, the little ones, I could tell, they were like, I don't know, you know, I'm not sure we want to do this. And and so I just said, you know, we're going to do this. If I have to push you, if I have to huck you down, that we're going to do this. Uh, and you know because I knew they're gonna love they would love it or they would get maimed one of the two but they would I'm pretty sure they would love it and we do that as dads we push them and we test their kids and we conjole them and we prompt them we say you're gonna do this we stretch them and we grow them because we know they'll be glad so if weak imperfect dads like us out of love for our kids push them and stretch them and grow them to take some next steps in their life then how much more will your perfect heavenly father do that for you if that's what you need to grow? See, my fears and your fears about God saying take the next step is, you know what, that seems scary. That seems like a big step. That seems like too much. But I want our greater fear to be what we might miss out on. What hangs in the balance if we say no to the next step.
if we say, God, I'm scared of going down that slide, what might we might miss? But I think for a lot of us, at least, we can say, you know what, God? You've always been faithful. So God, maybe we can just start praying this. God, make me do it anyway. If you need to huck me down the slide, huck me down the slide. I don't want to miss out on the adventure. You know how to know practically, at least sometimes, where the next step in your life is? Here's an easy way to assess this, at least for some of us. Ask yourself this question and ask it honestly. This is a hard question to ask, but ask this. What is the point of conflict in your life right now between you and God? I mean, where's the tension with you and God? Where's there, whenever it comes up, you're you're like, yeah, I don't want to hear that. Where is it in you where every time it comes up, you're like, I know what it says, I know what it says. I mean, where is it where you argue with other Christians? You don't have to do that to be a Christian. Come on, now you're getting legalistic. That may be the point, that point of tension may be where God is calling you to take the next step. Maybe. Think about it. But the promise is simple. You decide to follow Jesus and he takes responsibility for the outcome of the journey and it will be an adventure. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I'm grateful for Peter and Andrew and James and John and their willingness to take a little step and then another little step and then another little step and then another one and another one. And as you read through the Gospels, they always just, they just took one more little step at a time, one more little step at a time. If you'd asked Peter in that moment when he's sitting there fishing, mending his nets, when Jesus walks up the very first time, I imagine if at the end of his life you would have asked Peter and said, would you have stood up and preached on the day of Pentecost about this guy Jesus? No way. Would you have gone to your grave crucified upside down as Peter was for this guy Jesus? At that point, at the beginning of the story, mending nets, no way. But that's not what it was asked. He was just asked to take a little step. A little one, another one, another one. For us, it's the same way. There's a part of us that we think about the end of the journey, God, and we think, well, what if he asked me this? What if he asked me to give a bunch of money away or go on a mission trip or what? That, that, worry about that. You don't want us to worry about that. You just want us to worry about what our next step is. That's all that matters to you. Are we willing to take the next step that you're calling us? Maybe it's just to be a part of a regular weekend so we can learn and grow and discover a little more about you. Maybe it's a step toward reading our Bible every day, our community. Who knows what the next step is for us? You do, we do. Just give us the courage to take that little baby step, just to follow, to not miss out on the adventure. Again, I I know, God, from my own life and from so many others' life, we just have no idea what hangs in the balance. Yes, it may cost us a little bit, but we have no idea what it might cost us to not say yes. But God, give us the courage to follow. Jesus, let me pray.